Hello everyone, Jamie and I are unfortunately not at Gen Con this weekend, instead we are stuck in Scotland bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news as we always do. I'm Ian McAllister. And I'm Jamie Adams, and Ian stole my bit. And this is Brainwaves episode 82, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. As Ian said, these are the headlines for the week of the 20th of September 2021. Frogs, white power and controversy, oh my. Gamma elections are announced, and the Diana Jones winner is announced. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves, which will probably be irrelevant after the weekend because everyone will say, Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con. That's fine, we don't report on new releases anyway. The game tournament fishing on Kickstarter from publisher The Gaming Goat has come under fire recently for one of the images on its campaign. The image was of a frog being held in a hand. The right hand of the frog, which has four fingers, was holding its smallest two fingers together into an OK symbol. Now, if you look up frogs being held on the internet, you will find frogs looking like they are making this gesture. So there are no problems, right? If you have been following world events at all over the last year, you will have become aware that the OK gesture has been appropriated by the far right, especially in America during the Black Lives Matter protests. Various members of organizations like the Proud Boys, could be seen making this gesture during clashes with BLM protesters and the police. Pepe the Frog is a cartoon that has also been appropriated by the far right. Put these two things together and you can understand why people might take offence at this image. How do you as a publisher react to this? Apologise and change the image? Not if you are Jeff Bergen, CEO of Gaming Goat. No, you instead put a strapline on the Kickstarter image and then kick off at anyone questioning you. That strapline was, this is Bob the Frog. Bob is A-OK. Bob the Frog does not have a hateful bone in his body and loves everyone. Now we aren't going to catalogue all the horrible things said by Jeff Bergen, but as an example in response to Suzanne, a well-known board game commentator on Twitter, calling him out on the image, there was a conversation on Bergen's Facebook page. At one point, one of the commentators said, in regards to Suzanne, this person looks like they'd be a lot of fun at parties. In response to this, Bergen said, I bet only us could make her fun at a party. You down for the challenge. The attitude of Gaming Goat to the controversy has led to designers breaking ties with the company. Artem Savarov, whose problems with Unbroken and Golden Bell we have covered in the past, has withdrawn his planned project with the company from publication. The smash hit Regicide, that has been all over the place recently, is from Badgers from Mars, who have chosen to end their contract with the company as well. Both of these design teams are small and taking a financial hit in doing this, so please support them if you can, and we'll put some links to them in the show notes if we can find some ways to support them. Board Game Geek suspended the accounts of Jeff Bergen and Greg Maller, another designer who's run afoul of the site previously, and weighed in on this so-called debate. Gaming Goat will not be allowed to advertise on Board Game Geek in the future. Bruno Faduti posted on Board Game Geek in response to this story, and just a warning in this quote, there is some swearing. Several French game designers have ongoing contracts with the Gaming Goat, and some projects were nearing production. We are trying collectively to find a common way out of this shithole, and won't tell more until we have found it. Now, Gen Con is going on at the moment as we record. We're recording on the 18th of September, and it's going on over this weekend. They had previously stated that Bergen was not attending. When he showed up, he was escorted from the premises by security. According to him, that was without any notification. It should be noted throughout this that Jeff Bergen has constantly called out cancel culture, which to us is a huge red flag as to his intentions. 
the image may have been innocently made by the artist behind it and it may genuinely be put out there without that thought as to what it could possibly imply. However, the image isn't really the problem. What is the problem here has been the response of Jeff Bergen, the gaming goat, and a bunch of people basically calling out cancel culture in response to this. Their response has been awful. And it's not cancel culture, it's consequence culture. You've you've basically kicked back at everyone saying like, hey, maybe you want to change that image because of its... Im- the implication there but your response has basically said we think this is totally fine these images and this implication is totally fine and that's terrible it's awful unfortunately because of the way board game geek works it has meant that this game has been at the top of the hotness list or near it for the last couple of weeks because the hotness list is basically based on how much people are talking about a game on board game geek not what it's actually like or any controversies around it. But dear listeners, we are not done with controversy in the board game industry. I mean, are we ever really? The Game Manufacturing Association have elections going on at the moment for various positions on the directorial board. And these those came to their conclusion on the 16th of September, a couple of days ago. During the election process, T-Cares put themselves forward for the position of director in the publisher's position. T. Cares is involved with Habit Games and is a well-known commentator on board game Twitter. This led to a huge backlash against T. Cares' attempt to get elected from Sarah Shah, a video creator who makes fast breakdowns of board games and what they are about under the title Board Games in a Minute. During 2020, Sarah came under scrutiny for travelling during the pandemic and various photos of her at Florida resorts not wearing a mask amongst crowds. One of the results of this was that lots of people flocked to her cause who have rather vocal right-wing views and Sarah tolerated their presence in her followers. I personally know of some folk who reached out to Sarah to express their concerns about these followers but these offers of help and expressions of concern fell on deaf ears. T Cares was one of the people who had crossed swords with Sarah before and the arguments boiled over onto Twitter over the course of the gamut election process. Words were exchanged, accusations went back and forth, and when Suzanne, whom we mentioned above, got involved, it got even uglier. The TLDR of this is that Sarah thought T-Gares should not be on the Gamma board because of what she saw as harassment that Sarah had been subjected to by T-Gares and others in the American critical community. Sarah has repeatedly claimed that no one has reached out to her privately about the views of some of her followers. Uh, We aren't done with Jeff Bergen, though. Jeff Bergen decided to side with Sarah and proceeded to offer to pay people's gamma dues and fees for new members, presumably to try and tilt the votes in his preferred direction. Gamma has announced the result of those elections, with T-Cares taking 41% of the vote in their category. Steve Bussard was elected in that position, that's the publisher's position on the board. We have not previously reported on the spats going on Twitter amongst American critical circles, which tend to crop up fairly frequently and especially over 2020. We basically didn't consider them news at the time because it was arguments and controversy going on between the critic community, and it it wasn't really big news as such. When it started to affect Gamma, which is a big industry body, obviously that is news as far as we're concerned. Anyway, Jamie, that's enough of really nasty headlines. How about something nice? Well... By the time you're listening to this, dear listener, Gen Con will have ended in Indiana, 
And there'll be lots of lovely board gaming tidbits that we won't be able to tell you about because, well, unless you come and harangue us, uh, we won't know, we won't be able to put into this podcast. Uh, But Gen Con also means one other thing, and that is the announcement of the Diana Jones Award. Now, the 2021 Diana Jones Award has been awarded to Nibcard Games, a company at the centre of the Nigerian board gaming industry. From Nibcard's website, their mission is threefold. Production, create high-quality games at a possible low cost that can compete globally. Promotion, encourage an active tabletop gaming community in Africa. And publishing, inspire and support African tabletop game designers to create world-class games. Simple, effective, I like it. Along these, they run a games cafe in Abuja, which is the first games cafe in Nigeria, and Nigeria's first gaming convention, ABCon. Now, a lot of this, almost all of it, is down to Nibcard's founder, and I'm going to say right now, I apologise profusely for this white man pronunciation, but I will do my best, I promise. Kenichukwu Obuagu, or KC. KC responded on Twitter, We accept and thank the committee behind the selection and hosting of the award. I dedicate this to God and to my mum. Thank you to everyone who has trusted and supported us. So many names to mention. You made this possible. And we are not stopping. Our vision is clear and our conviction is strong. The team is stoked and we can't wait to meet some of you at ABCCon this December, either virtually or in person. Super thanks once again for the recognition. Huge congratulations to KC all at Nibcard Games, and well done to all the finalists. The fact you were nominated, Joes, you're pretty bloody excellent. Casey and Nibcard, enjoy your Perspex Pyramid. I cannot wait to hear more about Nibcard Games. Yeah, no, fantastic. I've, I've had my eye on Nibcard Games for a while, um, just because they're doing something interesting and different, and it's great to see diversity in the hobby awarded. And as we've said before, we really like awards where they're actually lifting up smaller things and drawing attention to different things and not just sort of giving awards out to the same old games over and over and over again it's really great to see i really like dana john's award as we've said before it's 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 a really diverse interesting award as as you said you know raising up new games like that's that's the diana jones award it isn't just games it's games it's designers it's 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 the whole community of games yeah it's communities it is yeah it is within gaming itself it is not the particular the product Indeed. Now, on to the rest of the news. Ian, I believe you have an update from the world of Kryn. Indeed. Back in episodes 59, 64 and 65, we reported on a dispute between the authors of the Dragonlance novels and Wizards of the Coast. The dispute was eventually resolved, and now it turns out that one of the outcomes of the settlement is that Dragonlance will be coming to Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition as a new book called Sky Raiders of Abarax from the Dragonlance writers Tracy and Laura Hickman. Good to see that come to a fruitful conclusion. Excited about that, Jamie? I don't really know Dragonlance terribly well. I don't know Dragonlance very much either. I know of it by reputation. Uh, The Spelljammer game I played in quite a while ago now had some characters from Dragonlance not named characters just NPCs who were from the Dragonlance setting but uh, it sounds 
pretty good and i'm glad as i said i'm glad it's come to a fruitful conclusion it's sad that it maybe wasn't you know an official wizards of the coast product but at the end of the day Dragonlance is coming back so you know does it really need the wizards of the coast branding no no indeed it, it's I now got such a life it can stand on its own two feet except I... you know kender Ugh. i mean dragons would be really helpful in sorting out the global shipping situation i think jimmy I don't know. They want paying in gold. Yeah, fair point. I, and before anyone get, uh, tweets at me or messages me, I know that different dragons in the D&D <laughs> setting accept different things. I'm going for the simple, basic, red dragon, classic dragon analogy that everyone will be able to get. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to take up Ian's link now, now that I've done my little my little bit. Uh, and say that we have reported a number of times on the global shipping crisis and how it's affecting board games because you know, it's, it's a serious problem uh, and not just for board games for the entire world well well now it seems those consequences are starting to become much much more tangible asmodee has just announced the increase in prices of several key titles across its catalog including such titles like arkham horror third edition mansions of madness and cosmic encounter Ravensburger, North America, has announced that it is temporarily suspending all new orders from the 17th of September. The statement, that we will share in full, basically alludes to them being unable to fulfil current orders. They hope to be able to fulfil again as we go into the fourth quarter and towards the holiday 2021 season. I mean, suspending sales, that's... That's, a That's big. I mean, Ravensburger. Yeah. I mean, they do things like Villainous, Jaws, uh, all, nothing like, all, all, all the Prospero Hall tie-in film yep. games there all through Ravensburger. You know, yep. they've been doing extremely well. I mean, Ravensburger have been having a great 2020 and into 2021 with those yeah, titles. because Prospero Hall is a fantastic uh, design collective. Yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed everything I've played by them. And presumably what they're doing is they're trying to stockpile a bit for Christmas so they can fulfill like the Christmas demand when that comes around. But this is bound to hit smaller game shops and people who have like relied on those titles to to make some money. It's it's a huge move. I mean, if like I, I as regular listeners to this cast know, I work in the bike industry. I, I manage a small bike shop in Edinburgh. If one of our suppliers would just say we're not pro- producing parts anymore. That'd be incredible. I mean, some of them are almost there anyway because some parts are in short supply. But for them to actually suspend orders would be astonishing i've I've never yeah i've never heard of a distributor like this doing that it's quite quite extraordinary that's just done with updates uh our first piece of news is a sad one unfortunately we are announcing the passing of ruben clammer inventor entrepreneur and games designer at the age of 99 clammer designed the modern version of game of life the original of course being made by milton bradley and considered to be the second most popular board game sold with some estimates putting the sales at 70 million copies worldwide he also pioneered using polyethylene in the toy industry as a shatter-resistant plastic, did special effects for the TV series The Man from Uncle, and created the phaser rifle for the original Star Trek episode Where No Man Has Gone Before. Mr. Clamour was inducted into the Hasbro Inventors Hall of Fame in 2000, the Toy Industry Hall of Fame in 2005, and received the Taggy Toy and Game International Excellence Lifetime Achievement Award in 2009. The thoughts of Jamie and myself are with his family at this uh, difficult time 
I mean, I may jokingly dismiss games like Monopoly, but there is no denying uh, the influence that these more mainstream games have had on individuals who will go on to design all sorts of games, including the ones we consider more hobby games. A man with many strings to his bow. Board games, entrepreneurial shit, you know, working in special effects, prop making. Mm. And he was also you know, a business business investor. And, well, yeah, he's, as, as you said... We make fun of Monopoly. We we sometimes make fun of the the uh, quote unquote more classic games, but their their influence is undeniable. Yeah, they get some people into gaming, and uh, those are people we play games with sometimes. So yeah, absolutely. Anyway, Jamie, it looks like you're not done with awards quite right. Right, it looks like you've got a second hat on under there. Oh my! No, I my award Homburg. It's a uh, dual layered to, uh... for for the for the cold. As well as the Diana Jones Award, we also had hot new news for for us anyway, which was the announcement of the Any Awards, which were also announced at Gen Con. As ever, there are numerous categories, so we'll just pick out some to highlight to you. The Ennies are an RPG-focused series of awards. Now, at the moment, the Any site is not updated, so you'll have to go to their Twitter feed for the full results. In each category, there is a gold and silver award. Now, the indie hit Alice is Missing from Renegade Game Studios, which is an RPG played entirely via text message, garnered several awards, including Product of the Year, Gold, Best Game, Gold, and Best Rules, Gold. UK publisher Rowan, Rook, and Deckard grabbed a bunch of awards for their game Heart, which is the follow-up to their game Spire, including Best Game, Silver, Best Setting, Gold, Best Writing, Gold, Best Layout and Design, Gold. Best Monster slash Adversary, Gold. Best Art Interior, Silver. And Best Art Cover, Silver. Other notable companies and products were Free League Publishing or Free Alagen, winning several awards for Alien and Vasen, their game of Swedish monster hunting. Those are two separate games, by the way, not Alien and Vasen. Alien, pause, and Vasen, which is their game of Swedish monster hunting. No, they uh, both use e- the same system, so you could do a crossover. Oh my. Uh, Ian, I believe you did review Vassen. I have, yeah. I haven't run Vassen, but I've been doing some player-facing RPG reviews on the site. So basically, as a player, how does Vassen feel to me? Uh, that, that review was up on the site recently, and I also talked about uh, investigation games in general in that piece as well. Cool. Congratulations to all the winners, especially Rowan, Rook, and Deckard, really sweeping the boards a bit with heart there. Yeah, uh, grabbing a huge number of, of rewards. There's a couple of interesting, cool little RPGs in there. Alice's Missing sounds interesting. I might have to check that one out. And there was one I shared earlier today before we started recording in our RPG Corner chat in our Discord called Brancalona, Brancalonia, which is a spaghetti fantasy RPG, sort of Italian fantasy RPG, which sounds really interesting, based in fifth edition uh, rule set for D and D. But yeah. Lots of cool, little interesting things to check out there, I think. Now, going from RPGs to a big old, what do you call it? CCG? LCG? Hard to tell. HTT. Something like that. You might remember the game Keyforge, the card game from Fancy Flight Games, where every deck is a unique combination of cards. Every deck has its own unique set of cards in it. Now, there was an update recently from Fancy Flight Games, which first and foremost established that the COVID-19 pandemic had hit the game hard from a distribution and development perspective. There are several announcements in the statement. 
Alongside plans for a digital version from Stainless Games, Fancy Flight Games says, We have decided to put the game on hiatus for the time being, with plans to relaunch the game with new life at a later date, citing both the pandemic and another unforeseen complication. That unforeseen complication is the deck building algorithm for Keyforge is broken and needs to be rebuilt from the ground up. Now, when this was announced, several rumours began springing up around that news, including that they had lost the unique deck license in some way or form, or that a worker had left Fancy Flight Games and they were the only person who knew how to work the algorithm. This is all speculation, I'd like to remind everyone. Keyforge developer Aaron Halton went on Twitter to squash those speculations and clarified that they had had a big loss of data. We're not entirely sure that clears it up. There's a big crossover between people who play board games or RPGs or tabletop games in general and people who use computers a lot, or especially in their livelihoods and know programming and programming languages and that kind of thing. We've had chats on our Discord about this and I've had chats with various other people, including my friend's circle, who work with computers on a daily basis. And they all said exactly the same thing. You can't break an algorithm. It's kind of a strange thing to say. Now, data loss is possible if they've basically lost all the previous unique decks made through Keyforge and some kind of massive data loss, no backup or something, then I guess they could no longer say that every deck is unique because any new decks that the algorithm generated might be duplicating previous ones because they wouldn't know. But yeah, it's it's a curious thing to say. I'm sure the truth is somewhere in the middle of all the rumors. But yeah, hard to tell what's going on there. But whether, I mean, they have announced a new Keyforge set. They had their in-flight report recently where they did say there is a new Keyforge set coming. But when is a matter of some speculation. That's alongside all their other new products. Fancy Flight were being very cagey about when any new announced projects would be coming out. Partly, I would imagine, because of the global shipping crisis and manufacturing problems. We'll bring you more on that if we hear it. But Jamie, other companies are having weird things happen. Yes, we tune into our new regular, semi-regular, hopefully not regular segment of Board Game Crime News. Thank you, yes. Dateline. Brainwaves HQ. Some news. A group of professional thieves. I'm going to stop this because it's hurting my throat. And also, yeah. A group of what has been described as professional thieves broke into the warehouse owned by Pandasaurus Games and managed to nick several not-yet-released games. Around 100 copies of the Kickstarter version of Dinosaur World, the sequel to Dinosaur Island, and 200 copies of Trixie time travel game Loop were spirited away. These games were given to an online seller who has put them up for sale on sites such as eBay. Now, according to Pandasaurus's update to their Kickstarter, they have enough copies to fulfil their promised deliveries, but are asking the public to be extra vigilant and on the lookout for any copies for sale online. Also... The police are involved and have apparently already identified the thieves. Stay vigilant. Board games are luxury items and serious business. Don't have nightmares. Good night. I could do Crime Watch. You could. It, it, I'll just put you forward for it next time there's a vacancy or something. That, that's quite an incredible story. But imagine being those thieves, right? Like, did you mean to steal board games? Because that doesn't seem like a very profitable thing to steal. So you say it's a, a strange suggestion, Ian. But I'm looking at the Kickstarter page for Dinosaur World right now. And the all-in pledge for Dinosaur World was $105. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And if that's your money. And if that's two hundred copies, yeah, at a hundred and five dollars each, that is a lot of money. About Tw- ten thousand. There you go. There you go. Now that's Kickstarter copies. Now, if that's not been released yet and it is available online, mm-hmm. the board gaming community itself, who loves a bit of that, will snap that up and probably a bit more than they could have bought it for. Indeed. So, and I, I think, of course, they knew exactly what they were doing. This is, as I said, board games are a luxury hobby and it becomes more and more prominent. People become more and more aware of how expensive these things are. True, and we've reported on before about um, counterfeit fake, board games. Counterfeit board games, and like our astonishment that people would do that. But of course, as Jamie rightly points out, they're luxury items, so there is money to be made there through thefts and faking them. Uh, hopefully, not the start of a trend. You say that. We have some late breaking news now. Pegasus Spieler have announced that they are opening up a North American branch. Their current head offices are in Friedberg, Germany. Johanna Sadkovich is promoted from sales and marketing executive to CEO of the new branch of the company. And Anthony Boyd, previously director of sales at Lucky Duck Games, joins as sales director. There are other job openings available at this new branch of Pegasus Spiel, and we will uh, add that a link to those in the show notes. I think we're going to see a bit more of this kind of thing in the next little while because of global shipping problems. I can see companies who can do it, who have got the size opening up some more worldwide branches, especially like North America, Europe, making sure they have offices in both places in order to deal with Kickstart fulfillment, in order to deal with warehousing, in order to deal with things more locally. Uh, I think I think we're going to see more of this, personally. What do you think, Jamie? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I, I, yes, of course we are. Insightful commentary as always. <laughs> no, I, I, I believe, you know, as, as, as I mean, I, I can't really add what you've no, said no, no, you can't. there's been there's been the shipping problem there's been distribution problem and as things become potentially more fractured a centralized yeah. base may become more of an issue yeah absolutely so spreading yourself a bit wider that's going to help We'd like to give a reach out now to all our patrons. Thank you so much for continuing to support us and the cast, especially to Sean Newman, our executive producer from the Game A Lot team. We'll add links to all of Sean's bits and pieces in the show notes. You can join our patron, of course, for just $1 a month, and you can support us in loads of other ways if you don't want to do that. We have a tie-up with Metallic Dice Games in the States. They produce very nice dice and dice accessories. If you use the promo code Roll with Brains, all capital letters, all one word, you'll get a wee discount and we'll get a bit of a cut. And we also have some merchandise through Sir Meeple, who produced very nice t-shirts for all sorts of gaming outlets, including We're Not Wizards, or one of our fellow Scottish podcasts. Uh, so you can get good, nice t-shirts on there, and we get a really healthy cut of the profits on that. So if you would like to show your affiliation to our lovely podcast, then do so that way, and we'll get a bit of money. Anyway, Jamie, just before we go, there's something in the air tonight. Not Phil Collins. <laughs> but rather magic some gen con magic now pictionary i know I, I was you're expecting monopoly not monopoly today my it's friend. literally your job not literally my job but i am going to talk about pictionary classic game that has families yelling at each other that why they can't know dignity when they see it but a pictionary has come into the 21st century in a new way pictionary air is a game where the drawer draws in the air with a special pen 
and a teammate videos them with an app, and hey presto, the drawing appears in the air. Does that make sense? Yes! Sort of? Sounds like a lot of work. I mean, I could just draw things with a pencil, right? Yeah, but 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 it's magic, Ian. It's in the <laughs> air. Cuts down on uh, paper wastage as well. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of magic in some regards. I mean, it's kind of a kill but attack. I'll yeah. give it that. At, uh, if it at, works. At Gen Con, Harry Potter Pictionary Air was released, and the pen is in the shape of the 11-inch Holly and Phoenix Feather Wand wielded by the eponymous wizard himself. It's that, it does sound like a faff and a half, but uh, but it's, I mean, it's good to see it moving with the times. I guess. I mean, like, pictionary is good because it's simple. Like, it's straightforward and simple. I don't know if adding, like, a tech level to it, a tech layer to it is really necessary, but, I mean, it's cool. It's cool tech. The tech is kind of interesting and fun, but, yeah, not Adds sure. Adds an extra, I mean, you say that. You you against your board game app integration. It no, adds no, an extra I, layer. I'm, it, I'm not against board game app integration. I love board game app integration. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, Ian McAllister is against board game app integration. <laughs> uh, the extra challenge of drawing Scarlet's here where lies. you don't know what you're, you don't know what you're drawing. I played Forgotten Waters recently. Uh, if it's app integration, it's it's good. I like it. Very cool. Also voice acting. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a wee review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are mostly active on Twitter these days. Our website is giantbrain.co.uk, where you can find all our reviews and the podcasts themselves. If you want to email us about any stories you have for the cast or anything, if you'd like to comment on anything on the cast, we'll read those out. That's giantbrainuk at gmail.com. And our main place of chatting and business these days is our Discord. We'll put an invite link to that in the show notes. You'd be very welcome along. Every Tuesday after the cast goes out, we have Games Night on there, which you'd be very welcome to come along and join in on. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello everyone. Good start. I'm gonna cut that and finish an Easter egg at the end.